0: Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend, Coos OCD, Jake Lindsay, on the line. Jake, how you doing? I'm good. Jay, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, looks like you've been doing quite a bit of hunting already so far. Uh, why don't you recap for us what's been going on with you?
1: Yeah, the season uh, the season started fast. Um, it started with my son who had a junior's deer tag. Uh, we shot a, or I should say, he did. He shot a, a nice little buck on the second day of the hunt. Uh, had a great time with him, and then uh, a week later, uh, he had a junior's cow tag, rifle cow tag, up in northern Arizona. We uh, shot a cow on the on the first day of the hunt, so I've got a freezer full of meat, and then a week after that is when my deer hunt started i guess i could back up just a little bit before that i did help a good friend of mine uh take a really nice bull uh out of unit 10 uh during the archery hunt so and that was on the first day so uh, i have a trend going and i'd like to my wife would like to keep that trend going jay that i'm I'm done on
0: opening day of all these hunts (laughs) i'll bet she would i'll bet she (laughs) would um Bouncing back to a couple things you said, uh, Unit 10 Archery Elk. Uh, so you were up there this year, obviously shooting a bull on the first day. You didn't probably get to see the full grind of the hunt. But what were your impressions up there of Unit 10? Um, I don't know how much scouting you got to do or, or what, but uh, why don't you fill us in on, on kind of how that went down.
1: Well, I, I personally didn't spend a, – a, much time scouting at all, uh, just the day before the season started. Uh, my buddy who did have the tag, he went up there a couple of times and, and, and spent some time. Uh, this was this was just two buddies out hunting. Um, I wasn't guiding or anything like that. Uh, we, we saw several bulls the day before the season started. Uh, they weren't talking much at all. It was pretty warm uh as you as you can remember but uh, you know opening day we we glassed up a few bulls and then and then that afternoon we uh, got into some country that that we had glassed some bulls up in and and to be honest with you today we just got extremely lucky with a a fantastic bull really uh nice bull that had huge bottoms and giant thirds. In fact, one of his thirds was over 24 inches long. Uh, So my my buddy was tickled to death. Uh, He made a great shot. We recovered the bull the next morning, uh, which we didn't have to. We just kind of put it safe and backed out that evening and uh, recovered a fantastic bull, man. Couldn't ask for for anything better on the first day of the hunt. Uh, that morning, I should say. On the second day, we did start hearing him talking a little bit more, but we were
0: out of there. You know, we we didn't spend yeah, much
1: time after that. So I don't know what took place afterwards.
0: Sounds like from the way you're describing, like a three seventy type bull, or what? What? Yeah, he, yeah. He actually, yeah, he actually scored uh, three sixty,
1: and you
0: know, in the low three sixties is what he ended up at. Nice. Were the top ends, um, from what you saw, uh, droughted a little bit and main beams, droughted?
1: Uh, you, you know, it's it's hard to say, Jay, because I saw a couple of bulls that had great top ends, and I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm not a biologist, and so I can't really break that down as far as we're seeing bulls that are standing right next to each other with different top ends. Uh, this, this bull, I... I I would suspect he was a little bit of an older bull, um, carried some good mass to him also. Uh, but, yeah, he you, you might describe him as, as the type of bull that was stunted there at the end, uh, maybe drought top end or whatever, but uh, I saw some other bulls with some great top end, so I, I, I can't really answer that question.
0: So your son's cow hunt, um, how rewarding is it for you to get to hunt uh, with your son, and um, you, you know, was the cow hunt a situation where they still bugling? Um, did you blast them up? Kind of, kind of. How did that hunt go down? Or did you know? Did you sit and wait, or how did it? How did it work? No, it was. Uh,
1: I think it's a fantastic hunt for youth hunters to get to experience uh, uh, because uh, the weather is just amazing up in northern Arizona during the uh, first couple of weeks and. The second week in October uh the, the elk are still bugling and they were bugling really well for us while we were up there uh when we when we went after these bulls I I uh we we went to get out of the truck and just get into some country that that we knew were going to hold some elk and they were just bugling like crazy man they were they were talking really well so we didn't even have time to set our binoculars and tripods up and start glassing. We just started chasing some bugles and got right in there on them.
0: Awesome. Awesome, so your freezer is full. It's absolutely full. In fact, I just
1: uh, made some, uh, some meat that I had. You know, you're clearing out the bottom of your freezer is what you're doing to make room for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a I've got a big I've got a big uh, chorizo and, and jerky session coming for me over the next day and a half.
0: That's awesome. You mentioned that um, your your son also went on a youth coos deer hunt. Uh, well, it's I believe any antler deer, correct?
1: Yes, yes. In, in yeah, it, it is.
0: Was well, that his first um, buck?
1: No, it's actually his second buck. I don't know if you recall, Jay, but two years ago, my 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 son. It was he was ten years old at the time, and and it was his first day ever big game hunting. Uh, he actually shot a buck on his first day, first morning ever big game hunting. He hit the buck a little bit far back, and about ten minutes later, a lion jumped on it.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so as we, as, as, as we
1: scrambled and, and, and tried to figure out what to do, the lion and the deer were rolling down in the bottom of the canyon, and uh, thankfully my buddy Andy was with me, and Andy got a hold of his wife to get the, the, the hound dogs out there, and uh, uh, so it, it, they made short work of it. The dogs trailed right over the top of the deer that the lion finished off, the the lion had, had buried it already. But within uh, about two and a half, three hours of that lion finishing that deer off, uh, we had the lion in the tree and my son was able to actually take a, a lion as well on his first day big game hunting.
0: <laughs> officially spoiled for life. Um surprisingly yeah. didn't just mic mic drop and throw it down and say, Okay, I'm <laughs> done. Um so so he's He's already got two animals. He's got a cow, elk, and a and a buck this year. Um, and then you had a hunt yourself, and I assume uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the story about this buck. Sounds like you have some history with the buck you ended up harvesting.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I feel really fortunate that, that it all worked out finally. Tell us about it. Uh, well, I guess from the very beginning, it started in, in 2013. Five years ago, I glassed up this buck, and uh, he was a nice three-point deer. Um, I could tell he had decent genetics, but he wasn't uh, incredibly old or anything like that, a, a three-year-old deer roughly, um, maybe low to mid-90s. And uh, anyway, that's when it all kind of started. Started and then I've just somewhat kept track of this deer uh, in, in in this area for, guys Since 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 now he didn't really turn into anything that I wanted to hunt until 2016. So he just gradually got bigger, uh, you know, five inches here and there. And then in uh, 2016 he went from. In 2015 he was probably a hundred and. A low, like a 103 type deer, and then in 2016 he jumped up to high teens, maybe even a little bit better.
0: How did his configuration change from the from the 103 to high teens? Uh,
1: so when he changed from a 103 type deer to a high teens, uh, boy, his it, it seems like his points uh, got longer, his beams got longer. Eye guard stayed. Roughly the same and that was kind of one of my identifying characteristics that, that I knew that, that that he had was his eye guards and and everything but uh, uh, His g3 on his right side from 2015 and 2016 grew off of the base of his g2 And it was probably close to nine inches long and uh, he actually had a little kicker coming off the inside of that g3 as well but just a big three point on the other side uh but that was when he made his biggest jump and and kind of a a a unique change also which coincidentally he 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 changed even the next year 2017 uh that g3 didn't come off the base of the g2 anymore and then he grew two kickers off both g2s just a big three point in 2017.
0: Okay, a couple questions here. So what you're saying is on his, I believe, right side, you said that he had a G2 and a G3 kind of came out of the base of the G, G2. But yeah. then in 17, he he didn't he threw that off completely and went to kickers and had a normal G3. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and by um, being able to, what were you using, his eye guard? Um, to know that it was that buck for sure or the curve of the main beam, or, or what, you know... Uh, I get a lot of questions, guys, watching bucks from year to year, and, you know, sometimes they're wondering whether that's the buck or not. What, you know, what do you use to be like, yeah, that's the same buck? Yeah, so uh, when, if,
1: if I'm just basing it on his eighties alone, it was his eye guard that kind of gave, gave him away to me. They were... Uh, uh closer to the to the to the base uh I guess than some other bucks uh and they and they sort of angled in as well, so uh a little bit narrow i guess um on that width in between the eye guards, and they sort of angled in. He had a couple of other things too that that was unique as well. I don't know when it happened, but at some point he split his right ear. <clears throat> and so that was kind of neat that I was able to follow him um, with some trail camera pictures, even uh, after he had shed his antlers, and and then um, and then even in the early growth, you know, knowing that he made it through. He also had something really unique, and I'm kicking myself for for this Jay, but for the for the last three years that I had him on camera, he had this growth on his left hind quarter. That was was prominent and and really stuck out. I don't know what it was, it, 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 but you know, after I, I was able to harvest the deer, I I completely forgot about it because I really wanted to look at that hind quarter and see exactly what that was—some sort of scar tissue or tumor or something. But it stuck out kind of like a little baseball or something that I was able to sort of identify him with as well.
0: Very interesting. A couple questions following up before we get into to, to this season and you following them this season before the harvest. Um, so you, you first see him in 2013. He becomes a prominent buck in 2015, 16, really blows up in, in 16, 17. Um, how big of an area was this buck working from summer, spring, fall you know all throughout the seasons were you able to monitor him kind of you know all year long and how tight of a circle did he run in our opinion so uh Jay, this is another
1: example of uh we, if you remember the storm with, with mark hardy's book, uh we we hunted um, Mark's deer for a couple of years, and we were never able to actually glass this deer up—a uh, Mark's deer, anyway—and it was really similar with with this one. I glassed
0: this deer up the last. I glassed this deer up in 2013, and I glassed hey, him up. Hey Jake, in 20, uh, I'm, I'm I'm losing some audio. I don't know if you, the phone's angled different, but I'm trying to speak into the mic because I'm losing you there a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm
1: sorry. Perfect. So, that's a
0: lot. That's a lot better.
1: Okay, so uh, as far as the, the, the core range of this, this, this deer, we were, I, I, I glassed up this buck in 2013 and 2014, but that's the last time I glassed him up. I couldn't find that deer in the binoculars. And um, uh, it, it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, he was giving me everything that, he, that, that, that I could throw at him. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint this deer.
0: But uh, can I, can I ask you a couple of questions? Can I dive in there real fast? Yeah, go ahead. So, so 13 and 14, you were able to glass them, but then he gave you fifth and you couldn't find him in the binoculars. At that point, did you dive into what you thought was his core area and, and hit it with trail cameras? Or what did you do to you know you've got a buck you know he's going to be a good one you know he's starting to take shape but you can't find him with the binos. what did you do at that point
1: yeah so that's it that's kind of exactly what i did um i i put out i put out a couple of more trail cameras in in 2016 to try to really narrow down where where this buck was living uh because in 2015 I, I, i i couldn't glass him up uh and, and I, I learned, I learned, I had some good information uh, uh, in 2016 I had a pretty good idea where he was living. Uh, and so, so the, anyway, with those two cameras, well, but I'll tell you, the, the, I didn't get him on the other two cameras. And so that, that gave me the information that I needed or sort of confirmed that, that he was living closer to the one camera that I was getting him on. Uh, there was one time in january that i got him on another camera uh not terribly far from from there but i i wasn't too it was january you know those deer travel right. a lot more and so i wasn't as uh uh concerned about that so so i did so that that gave me some really good information in 2016 once again though uh, i still was not uh i i guess i should back up as as well uh, in 2016, uh, when he really blew up, and 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 I planned on hunting him, that was also the same year that my buddy Mark had the really big 130-inch yeah. deer that we we wanted to hunt. So, and we both had the same tag. The deer were in completely different areas. Obviously, we wanted to hunt Mark's deer first. We we made that happen uh, with some other obligations. Um, I only had a chance to day hunt. Um, on, on the Monday following Mark's harvest when Mark killed his deer. Um, and I, I came across a really nice deer that Monday on that day hunt. He was too hard to pass up. Uh, he's 110 inch type deer. And so I, I took him, um, in, instead. And, and then going back and, and looking at the trail camera pictures of the buck that I was planning on hunting, uh, I, I, I realized he was He was probably actually a little bit bigger than I originally thought, and maybe I should have held out, not shot that other deer, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah.
0: So, back to, this is great stuff. So, you set those two cameras, hoping to get more photos of them, but you didn't get photos of them. So, that actually gave you the data that that deer is not wherever you set those two trail cameras, and that wherever that one camera was, that was kind of his core area. Even though you didn't glass the deer up uh, in 15, give me an estimation of from, say, that camera, you know, core area from maybe where you killed him in 2018. Like, are we talking like a half-mile circle? Are we talking like a mile circle are we talking like a 200 yard circle what what in your opinion uh, would you guess his home circle was Well not uh, not including say, the rut throw the rut out yeah just this, yeah four yeah, times
1: yeah i, I I'll, I'll tell you I, I don't think I don't think that the, the camera that he did frequent uh, was his like you know right in his bedroom. Uh, because, okay. because I, 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 wouldn't get him, you know, I would get him every, about every week. And so I, I, I don't believe that that camera was right in, in his bedroom, but, uh, just based on the, the, the direction that he kept coming from and, uh, the direction he kept coming from and then the direction he would leave, um, and where my other cameras were, I, I just, I just had a really good feeling. I, I knew where he was living, um. And so if I were to put a, a radius on it, I would say no more than a half a mile radius, okay? No more than a half a mile, and and, uh, and it, could, it could easily
0: have been even smaller than that. Okay, you, you mentioned something there that I want to touch on. You mentioned noticing in the pictures the direction that the buck came from and the, buck, the direction the buck left. Was that a consistent pattern that he always came from a certain direction, or the majority of time came from a certain direction and left a certain direction, or was it very a random pattern? No, it was. It
1: seemed very. Uh, it wasn't random at all. It seemed methodical, and and uh, he he uh, he knew exactly which way he wanted to come and which way he wanted to leave. I never did, in the in the in the four or five years that I've got this deer on on camera actually, minus that one time I, in January, that deer was always coming from the same direction.
0: Which what, which, did, that, uh, what carry, did that lead you to what did that lead you to believe or what did that help you in trying to determine where to you know glass that deer or figure out that deer? Well, it it
1: told me I was stubborn. Number one, that I kept trying to find him in another spot when he wasn't.
0: <laughs>
1: it, it it just it just uh, I, you know I don't know. It's 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 probably just really simple in the sense that that uh, I didn't think. At, at, I think at the moment I didn't think it was going to be that simple. Well, it's got to be just kind of a coincidence. He's coming from that direction. It can't be that. It can't be that simple, uh, but that's exactly what it was in the end, is, is that's exactly where that deer was
0: living, is where,
1: where he was coming from.
0: Okay, let's fast forward then to this summer, and or, or even last spring, or the last photos you have of them, and then how it progressed into this summer, you know, did you get more photos? Were you able to then start glassing them up and kind of walk through the process of, you know, up and to the harvest?
1: Yeah, so uh you know, I I in, in he he cleaned down a little bit and did some running uh in January, uh where my camera uh where the one camera is that he frequents and so he he did that in January, so that kind of confirmed that he made it through the season and everything like that. As soon as the uh, summer started, uh, I noticed right away when he showed up, and that was based on the split of his ear. And uh, so that was exciting. Uh, you know, and he, he seemed to, I, I, will, I will say, and I don't think it has, I don't know what it is, but, you know, when you compare pictures of previous years he seemed to be about a week or 10 days behind in growth than he was uh, the year before. I can't really explain that. It's it's kind of a, a mystery to me because he finished out perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, as far as my, my, my scouting goes and, and everything like that, I really wanted to dedicate as much time as I could to this deer. I knew that he was an old buck. Uh, I. I I was surprised that he had lived as long as he did and and so I just knew that this was gonna be a year that I, I really needed to try to to make it happen so uh, I glassed uh, several times um, hiking in there, you know the closest spot where I can glass this deer from it's still almost a two hour hike from my truck so i it's it's not. It's not that, that you can just hike a couple hundred yards and go look for a deer. It's, it's an, a half, at least a half day yeah, uh, minimum that, that you're dedicating just, for, just to go try to glass for him. Uh, I saw several other really good bucks, but, um, Jay, I, I could not pinpoint it. But I wasn't, I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't that concerned. I don't know. It just felt a little bit different. I felt like I knew where he was going to be living. And I was gonna have some good help on the mountain with me and Mark and I, I just knew we were gonna find him.
0: Was it a deal where you didn't really wanna press in too tight in fear of bumping him out of this pattern and so you knew that kind of the time that once the time came that you were gonna then, you know, circle the wagons and press in pretty tight during the hunt? Or sure, yeah,
1: I don't yeah, I don't. Uh, if I'm if I'm looking for a particular
0: block, I don't
1: get. For me, anyway, I don't get much closer than uh, a thousand yards. There's just no need, no need to, in my opinion. With, um, I guess, if you've got some smaller glass, you might have to. But I use the 15s primarily with my glassing, and then I've got a spotting scope. So there's really no need to get any closer. But um, the, and the, and and Jay, as you know, that those big bucks you you start throwing their patterns off and they they kind of know what's up they've they uh yeah. recognize those things so i try to stay out of there as much as possible you know as far as checking the cameras and stuff like that goes uh as soon as i know he's on there um i i generally don't check them very often there's no use to and And then maybe it's just an extra bonus at the end of the hunt. If I take him, I'll go and check and get more pictures of him and stuff. But that's really not my concern anymore if I know he made it through the season.
0: Okay, so as the summer's going on, you still haven't put your eyes on him. got But you've got some trail cam pics. So when was the first time you put your eyes on him? Did you see him before the hunt, or was it, like, There he is, boom, I got him, how it went down.
1: So I got up to, uh, my hunt started a couple of Fridays ago, and uh, in Arizona our hunts, most of them anyway, start on Friday. I got up there on Wednesday, and uh, uh, I did not glass that deer up on Wednesday. And then Thursday morning, which is the day before the season started, uh, about... uh, 10 minutes to 8 a.m., I glassed up a deer, and uh, he was within a couple hundred yards of where I really felt like the core area of this buck was living, and I could tell right away with the 15s, and he was about 1,500 yards away from, from where yeah. I'm glassing from the day before the season. I could tell it was a good deer, and I just looked up there you know, five minutes prior and didn't see... Uh, um, anything and, and so I knew it was kind of a new mature deer that that poked his head out and I put my spotting scope on and as soon as he turned and showed me his right side of course because his right side is really unique I just I couldn't believe it I, I, in fact you know the first the first thing I did was was hurry and get the phone scope out and video so I can prove to Mark that I glassed him up and uh, so I got, I got a couple of uh, minutes of, of footage of him, uh, and then and then I called Mark up and and told him I'm looking at him. So it was just, yeah, it was exhilarating. It was it was exciting, really exciting.
0: That's awesome. So up until that point, you had velvet pictures. Did you have any at that point any hard antler pictures, or was that the first time you'd seen him? on trail cam photo, and obviously, and in person, hard antlered that year? Well, you know, the last time
1: I went in and looked at that camera, Jay, was uh, the first part of September. So he was on there. He was still invalid, of course. And that was the last time I, I checked it. I didn't want to go in there any longer, any, any anymore. Uh, okay.
0: So this is, that was,
1: yes, the first time I had seen him hard
0: Okay, so now it's roughly eight eight thirty in the morning, and obviously it's warm. You know, warm temperatures. Um, at that point, did you stay on that year all day, or what was your what was your standard of practice um, that whole day before the season? Yeah. So, so uh, it's funny you mentioned the temperature.
1: So, um, I I will I will tell you that the the uh, temperatures for this earlier October hunt were not bad at all. We had some, some great moisture and great weather that came through, but um, the, the the temperature, I wasn't even concerned about that. The temperatures were really nice, really mild, and uh, when I glassed him up at 8 o'clock in the morning, I stayed on him until he laid down, and this is the part that uh, will always baffle me. Jay, That that, that deer he said until 11.30 in the morning. He never stopped feeding. He never laid down until 11.30 in the morning. So I watched him the entire time uh, and, and, and watched him go into a couple small group group of trees, and he didn't come out. Mark got up to me finally uh, about 1.32 o'clock in the afternoon. I showed Mark the trees. Uh, we continued. None of us, neither one of us really took our eyes off those trees for the rest of the day. When one wanted to glass somewhere else, then the other one would put their, their eyes on the tree and, and never let it go.
0: And then did he reappear? He,
1: he, he did. He did. Um, I will say the only time, uh, both of us did take our eyes off was when we glassed up a really nice, uh, tall mountain lion right below us and so we got really excited <laughs> about that um the, the joke between mark and i was we were texting andy who is the lion hunter that we were about to shoot it and of course you tell any lion hunter you're going to shoot a lion with a rifle they just freak out but, oh, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah so so we watched the deer uh and then he didn't get up until 5:45 in the evening so which kind of made sense, you know. He (laughs) stuffed his face until almost noon. Uh, But he got up at 5.45 and uh, just started feeding around. And we only had about another 30, 45 minutes of uh, glassing light. We watched him until we couldn't see him anymore. And he only went probably 100 yards until we, we lost sight of him. So we kind of had a really good idea that, you know, we were hoping anyway that we were able to
0: pick up where we left off, you know, the night before. Okay, a couple quick questions. Um, so, eight, ten 10 minutes to 8 in the morning. You catch a deer. You catch a body. You can't quite see the rack. You put the spotting scope on. You identify that it's him. So, obviously, that's morning, morning sun. Is the deer in the sun? Is the deer in the shade? And furthermore as he fed till 11:30 in the morning was the deer in the sun or deer in the shade and without giving your spot away or anything like that was he in thick vegetation was he in the open what you know what what was the deer habitat right around where where you first saw him and then where he fed for you know a couple hours and then where he bedded yeah. down or, you know is it super thick? Is it is it a shady basin? Is it a sunny basin? Like what? Are, what are you looking at? Well,
1: it's 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 pretty thick uh, all over up up in there. Um, the sun uh, about nine o'clock, uh, well eight forty-five or so or whatever uh, was about the first time his his antlers started hitting the sun. He stayed in the shade. Uh, the sun, you know, the sun was hitting that slope and everything like that, um, and he and he stayed in the shade for for most of it. And then the sun started hitting his antlers about eight forty-five or or so. Uh, and then he he would he would kind of, I mean, he would walk through the sun. He it seemed like he wouldn't have a problem walking through the sun. You know, I got some video of him that I shared on Instagram. Of him walking through the sun. He wouldn't spend a ton of time there. Uh, he would he would venture over into the shade and spend some more time in the shade and stuff like that. I, I would say more than anything, what I was fascinated with was the the buck's movements. He seemed um, he just he he always seemed very cautious and very aware with every step that he took. Uh, you you might notice in one of the videos that I posted as well. He 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 seems almost arthritic you know as he's trying to climb up those 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 rocks a little bit so uh i think it's probably a combination of maybe he doesn't get around as as well as he used to combined with this is what's kept him alive by staying um uh, you know close to his core area but but also not being complacent when he's feeding and different things like that he would pick his head up and Take one slow step and and watch for probably five minutes, and then he'd feed, put his head down and feed just a little bit, and then he
0: wouldn't do that for very long, and then he'd pick his head up and watch everything
1: a little bit again. Um, so while but, he uh, was
0: chewing, while he was chewing, his head was up a lot of times. He'd take a bite, and then he'd be totally aware with his eyes and his ears while he was chewing.
1: Yeah, he he, you could tell he was just a wise old buck. That's exactly what he was doing.
0: Was he with any other deer, or was the buck a solitary buck? And in a lot of your data and trail cam photos, was he always by himself, or was he with other bucks? You know, in 2013 and 2014,
1: uh, he, would, he would hang out with, with uh, other bucks. Um, but as soon as 2015 came around, I never saw him consistently with another buck. In fact, it was always sort of comical when when you looked at the trail camera pictures. It was almost like you had bucks on, on the trail camera and then they'd pick their head up and and uh, they get alert. They get alert, and they would run <laughs> off. And he'd walk in. You know, um, he'd walk in I like, thought you
0: see this on my head? I am the king. Get out. You are not worthy." <laughs> yeah,
1: it was always really interesting. In fact, I saw more does. He was with with uh, does were more comfortable with him than than the bucks were. Um, but but uh, it, until and he was by himself that that evening before the hunt started. You know, nothing looked any different. Uh, we watched him um, basically all day long. You know, Thursday, and then put him to bed that night uh, until the next morning, which is pretty fascinating. I got, to I Steve, got a quick question until
0: the next. I got a quick question before you go into the next morning. From yeah. the time you saw the deer at seven fifty in the morning, to the time at night when it got so dark you couldn't see him any, how? Long, how far of a distance from point A to point B was that? So a whole day's period worth of movement, how far?
1: Oh, that deer, whole day's movement, he didn't move 150 yards, maybe. Maybe closer, yeah, 150 yards maybe.
0: Okay, 150 yards. Okay, so do you watch him till dark? Do you guys hike out, take over the story from there? Well,
1: we, we didn't hike out. We stayed there. We're, we're, we're up, we're up on the mountain. Um, stayed, stayed the night on the
0: mountain, right? Stayed
1: the, yeah, stayed the night on the mountain, woke up, uh, woke up the next morning and, uh, got out on, on our point where we, where we glass from and, um, just started glass and, uh, started seeing a lot of the same bucks that we had glassed up already. And, uh, it, it, another kind of interesting part of the story was was I got a, another buck in, in, this, in this area that's a really nice deer. and I glassed him up in, in velvet. And it, what's interesting is, is I also only have him on camera one time uh, but it was sort of his early growth and so I couldn't really tell what, what, what he was then. but when I glassed him when I glassed him up in the first part of September, Oh, he's a fantastic deer, really nice deer, Um, and I I sort of just called him my number two buck, right? Right. And uh, I told myself for the hunt, don't be greedy, don't be picky. If that number two buck gives you an opportunity, you really ought to consider taking him. Uh, So So here he is,
0: opening morning in your bio.
1: Oh, here he is, opening morning in my binos I I uh you know, my saving grace of course is I I had Mark with me and um we're both looking at this deer and he's a really nice deer uh and he'll score really well, but he's a young deer and he he's a little bit smaller than we originally thought. He'll still score well, but he just didn't do it for me and and um it was a hard deer to to pass up and it's one of those deer where you you gotta stop looking at them or you're going yeah. to end up shooting them right so uh i i i, I took my spotting scope on off i said it's opening day the, the sun's barely even up i gotta we gotta find this other deer and in fact, Mark is sitting behind me, and he keeps wanting to look at him, and he keeps talking to me. Oh, he's a pretty nice deer. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, we both end up uh, taking our eyes off of him, and uh, we 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 go we put our binoculars right up to, to the spot where we feel like this number one buck is, is going to be. And um, we had just been looking at that spot up there, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago, and we can see, we see two deer up there, and they're sort of uh, tickling antlers together, sparring a little bit. And uh, I look over at Mark, and Mark's got his, 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 he's looking up there as well. I say, hey, you see those those deer up there? And, and he said, uh, yeah, there's a couple deer up there tickling antlers or sparring a little bit. And so I get my spotter out. And put my spotter on him, and it's him. It's my number one buck, and he's sparring a little bit with this deer. Was barely even a forked horn, (laughs) 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 just a tiny, tiny little spike forked horn, and I couldn't believe it. And uh,
0: so, Mark and I both distance.
1: He's the same distance, Jay. No, no,
0: no. How far are you from the? your gear you know are you a thousand
1: yards? oh uh, yeah. yeah 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 I'm, I'm about 16 15 to 1600 yards okay um and, so, and there uh, he is. so there he is there he is yeah uh the game plan that we had made before based on uh, uh what he did on Thursday if he does happen to stay up as long as he does just go after him right away uh why wait for him to, to bed type thing and in this country and how it can be so thick and the the, the terrain and everything it can kind of be difficult to, to it, get in close to get a, a good shot and stuff like that. We figured if he could stay up, uh, we could benefit from that. Yeah. Uh, so I started packing up right away and um, I think I was bailing off to go after him by 8.15 in the morning. Uh, Mark stayed back on the uh, on the binoculars and, and watched him the whole time. So uh, I dropped down the mountain and uh, started going after him. and uh, to spare you a, 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 a few details anyway, um, I had to climb. I think I ended up climbing when I hit the bottom. Until I got to where I thought I could glass him up from, I went a total of twenty-two hundred feet elevation. <laughs> so okay. uh, I've never been—I've never been sheep hunting. Uh, so I can imagine this is similar to what it's like. You know, it's within a couple of hours. You've got to get somewhere, and you got to get there fast. So. So I went a total of twenty-two hundred feet, and I'm not a mountain goat. Um, I can hold my own, and I won't quit. But uh, it took me uh, several hours to, to to get over there, taking my time. So the buck stayed uh, feeding again until almost eleven o'clock that morning, and then he went into to, went into some trees and, and bedded down. Um, and uh I, I I get to where the hard part about it, Jay, is I'm sort of on the same slope as this buck.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you're you're trying to get the curvature of the the slope or, or different, you know, parts of, of that slope, high points and everything to look over and, and try to find this deer and naturally whenever you get over there everything just completely changes and um we're having some difficulty finding finding this this deer and uh so uh, as soon as i get to a spot where i think i could see him from i'm finding it's just not a good spot at one point i felt like i needed to get up higher to get some elevation to see if i could see him so i'm kind of walking all over this this same slope in this same mountain and i'm within 400 yards of this deer and it's making me pretty nervous uh the wind the wind is in my favor i'm not too worried about that but uh as, as you know when you get in within that three or four hundred mark those deer they, they've they got a sixth fence man they kind of know oh, yeah. you're there yeah so uh i was taking my time but uh covering all that distance and all that elevation uh, mm-hmm. i finally got to a point at about one thirty in the afternoon, I've been hiking around the entire time, um, trying to fi- find a, a good vantage point. I got to it about one thirty in the afternoon uh, and I finally narrowed down wh- where he w- with the help of Mark of course, back on the binoculars. I narrowed down where he was at there's this really big boulder and 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 mark's telling me that 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 he laid down within 75 yards of this boulder. So now i just got to get the right angle.
0: Um, can, I, can I stop you for a second there real fast? Go, go ahead, Jay. I think one huge tip for the guys out there listening is if you can have a spotter, that's phenomenal, and if you can establish a common point that you both can see, that you say, yes, it's the big boulder with the mesquite tree leaning out to the left. Yes, that's it. So once you establish a common point, then from there you can say, your spotter can say, okay, from that common point, you either go to another common point, or he says it's a hundred yards towards you, to your left, or to your right, or down the hill, or up the hill, or You know, go to the right 50 yards. Do you see a pine tree or do you see a sorrel cactus? Okay, from there, the buck is 25 yards above that. So a good tip for people listening, for some of the newer cooster hunters out there, always establish a common point, even if it's chaotic, even if it's, you know, you're panicking because you can't find the deer, whatever. Get a common point. That way, if the deer gets up, you have a common point, and your spotter can say the deer is 50 yards above the common point, or 50 yards below, or left or right. Okay, go ahead, Jake. No, Jay, you couldn't have said it any better.
1: And that's something that that was extremely vital uh, that that worked in our, our in our favor is that we established those reference points before I even left. You know, yeah. and and when and when you've been uh, looking at the same country like the day before, same. 100-yard radius or whatever the day before, you just memorize everything. And so, yeah, that's exactly what we did before we even left. We had some good reference
0: points and different things. Um, But as you say, when you get over and change your angle, it all looks different. So a good practice is like that day before, which I know you guys did you guys talked about an orange tree or a yellow bush or a saguaro cactus or a prickly pear or a pine tree. Like, you guys had already talked about common points. So when you get over there and your angle is different, and the only thing that you can see is one of those common points, at least you have one common point. Yeah. Another tip is that day before, take photos on your phone so that when you get over and your angle is changed. You can go. Okay, how how did that go again? Okay, here's my picture of those common yep. points. Okay, yeah. go ahead, Jake. You, no, you're 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 absolutely
1: right. Um, so, and, and and just just to just to add on that, I would make sure it's a a large common point. It's a yeah. big reference point, and I mean right. <laughs> really really yep. big because when you get over there and you're in some thick country and big country and stuff like that, uh, that that Giant uh, pine tree becomes fifty giant pine trees. So right. uh, it, it right. can it can. So make sure it's 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 really really noticeable. Uh, yeah. Like this boulder, like this boulder was to us anyway. And um, even though you're looking at it from a completely different angle, it's pretty recognizable. So, uh, finally, uh, I, I reach a point where I'm about uh, four hundred yards. Uphill from the boulder, and uh, um, I'm getting a little bit frustrated because because I really don't know if I'm if I'm going to get the right angle from from this slope. I, I'm almost wondering if I'm going to have to bail off the mountain and just get as close as I can from the bottom, as steep as it is, to where I can still see the tree that he's laying in, and I might have to shoot him from the bottom. And I was really trying to avoid that. That shot of upwards of, you know, six hundred yards or, or or so. I know there's a lot of guys that are shooting that far and would laugh and say that that's a a chip shot. Well, I don't like to take chances on big deer like that. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, I, I I I tell Mark I I got to get a little bit closer and peek off the edge where I think I can get. Um, a better a better vantage point to this deer and 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 the risk in doing that was i was probably going to be within 200 yards of this deer and it's something that i don't do very often i don't like the, the the idea of it but i felt comfortable given the the situation that i was in and location and and the wind and everything that i could at least peek over see what i've got to work with and then, and then go, go from there. Well, I made it down there. I peeked over. I was able to recognize exactly those common points that you were talking about. So I knew that now I just needed to find the right angle. So from there, I, I sort of skirted the, the mountain and, and started heading a little bit south. And the plan was to go about 150 yards To the south and get out on this rock face well i only made it about 50 yards and i look over to my right and i see the boulder as plain as day and i can see within a hundred yard radius of the boulder i got out on this rock face that uh gave me like it couldn't have given me a better vantage point, and it almost made me a little bit nervous. I sort of hit the ground and took my pack off, and got out of so, sight. You felt
0: so close, like oh, crap, was, I'm right here. I was so close,
1: Jay. Um, yeah. And and so I, I took my. So I told I told Mark. I said, Hey, I'm gonna hang out right here. I think this is a good good spot. Let me let me start picking some things apart. Um. So I, I started glassing and and uh, it's it's funny you mentioned that because about taking pictures uh, that's a that's a great piece of advice and how to use technology and everything to your advantage. Um, I, I I remember a couple of other common points that were or, or things uh, reference points near this boulder, and and then by doing that I, I was just able to sort of work it out in my head, if, if the boulder's right here, if I'm right here and then there's the boulder, then that deer should be, you know, so far, you know, X distance to, uh, uh, from the boulder, and there should be this other reference point. And sure enough, I was able to see this black burnt stump that was only about 40 yards from the boulder, and at first I couldn't see it, but then I, 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 because of my angle, a tree was blocking it, but I could see the top now of that black burnt stump that was about six or eight feet tall. So uh, as soon as I saw that, I then knew that the buck was the same distance from the, from the, from the boulder to the stump. It was the same distance further away and within about three seconds I see the butt of a deer sticking out of a tree in the shade, <laughs> and now, I, now, I he's, could, now he's in trouble <laughs> and now he's in he's in trouble. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, there was so many times um, about an hour prior to that, just with a lot of frustration in wondering if I had hiked all the way up this mountain and made a poor decision in going up there and getting on the same slope as the deer uh was i going to get the right angle right vantage point uh and and you know there was also a part of me that was thinking well is this the buck <laughs> right. all i see is right. the body of a deer it looks like a large you know you know deer in there um so i i i actually uh radioed to mark and i told him i said hey i i, I found a deer um and I'm explaining to him where, where it is, and he said that's exactly where he went, and there was not another deer within 200 yards of him as far as I could see. Uh, so I, I, I just set my rifle up, um, and, and I actually I, I put my rifle, I set everything up as quickly as possible just in case this deer was to get up and start getting nervous and, and, and leave, and I was ready to shoot and everything. Before um, you found, found him? No, no, no I, I mean as soon as I found him. Because, okay. you know, when you see that deer and he's bedded and you're that close, I can't even see this this this, this animal's head. I don't know if right. he's looking through the trees at me, if he's been watching me for the past 15 minutes and he's nervous. Uh, so I just I just hurried and threw everything down. First thing I did after I saw him, was I ranged the tree, and then I just threw my gun down and put a, a round in the chamber, and then got back on my 15s to see exactly wh- what he was. And uh, it's really hard to tell at first, but then he kind of turned and gave me a look of his left side. So I knew it was a buck, <laughs> number one. And then, uh, so now I'm really just trying to pick everything apart to see if it's the right buck. And, um, you know, I got Mark telling me on the other end, it's, uh, it's got to be him. That's where he went. And uh, um, clearly, I, I trust Mark, and, and, and I want to believe Mark, but I don't want to make a mistake. And then he kind of turned his head a different direction, and I could see a really big frame. And uh, I just, at that point, as soon as I saw his big frame, um, I was convinced. I was convinced without knowing for sure that it was him. So um, I laid down. And and I, I told Mark, I said I, I'm going to shoot him in his bed. I feel really comfortable that I can make the shot. And uh, I got about half of his body sticking out of the tree. I'm looking into the shady side, and uh, so I feel like pretty confident in making the shot. And uh, I, I dial my scope up just a couple of clicks. And I slowly squeeze the trigger, and the gun goes off, and my scope falls right back on the deer, and he's still laying there, and he hasn't moved an inch. So. And oh. I, 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 I really thought to myself, "Well, he's dead. He's dead in his bed, and he just—I'm just, just going to watch him and wait till he starts squirming and kicking."
0: <laughs> how? How much of a down angle?
1: Uh pretty pretty i mean i would say close to. i would say close to 35 degrees maybe it's pretty steep
0: okay.
1: um nothing nothing uh nothing terrible but it was enough to where he was 265 yards and i so went was ahead and shot him or
0: anything or is he just the same exact position same exact position jay this thing this deer hasn't even moved so he's 265
1: oh. yards I dialed him in and shot him for 250 just because of the angle. I honestly wasn't even concerned about missing at that point. And uh, so this buck, this buck just didn't even flinch. Uh, so I said, forget it. I don't even care. So I, I, I jacked another one in. And this time I aimed, as I was looking through the scope, I noticed that my first shot, just because you kind of take that mental picture of, you you know, what you're looking at, was was a little bit closer to a couple of small oak branches that were laying kind of over his back, and so uh, this time I aimed just a couple of inches lower than I did the first time, and I squeezed it off, and that's when I heard the, the whop and the big, return from an impact and my scope fell right on the deer uh after the recoil and he came blowing out of the 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 tree and he only went about four feet and just rolled upside down and he was done nice so
0: uh do you think you hit a branch on your first shot or do you think you shot over him no i i know i know where i hit (laughs) And
1: if you look at the the pictures closely, unfortunately, you'll know as well. Uh, So, uh, I, I, you know, Mark and I celebrated through the radios. Of course, Uh, you you know, Mark packed up his stuff. I hiked over to the to the buck. Um, It took Mark a little, I think, almost a little bit more than two hours to get to me, just from his glassing point. Um, I got over to the buck. And uh, he was he was done and I took his head up and I shot his G two on his left side.
0: Oh no.
1: If he, he it if off? you look at, No, no, no. I did not the shoot, shoot it, off. Hit it. It it hit it. And uh so it, it And the funny part about all of that, Jay, <laughs> is I Anytime I ever see a bullet hole through an antler, I always laugh and I always make fun of the hunter. Yeah, how in the world did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. buck fever. Or you, yeah. D- dummy, look what you did. So, um, uh, I, I, I don't care. I've had, of course, that's the, the price I'll, I'll, I'll pay. That's no problem. I've had everybody that looks at the deer. They say, "Oh, what happened right here?" So, but I'll tell you, when I walked up to him and i saw that his left g2 was broken the first thought in my head was oh no he hit a rock when he fell and um, because it never crossed my mind that i hit him in his antler until i just started looking at the antler and i said that looks exactly like i shot him in the antler oh, and no. so I, I i went back and i and i and i looked and I and I was sitting in his bed where he was laying and looking up where I was shooting from and I could see the branch that I hit <laughs> really so I so I def- my first shot deflected off a branch it hit him thankfully his G2 on his left side is really heavy <laughs> so so it only blew off uh what well, when I say blew off it didn't cut it in half it just sort of blew a chunk off the side of it that splintered up and and sort of took the tip off the G two as well. But but for the most part, uh, you I still have the, the I still have enough to work with as far as when I get the antler
0: repaired. So so I'm surprised that if you hit the antler that the buck wasn't moving around shaking his head. It must have been such a clean. It I mean. Because you didn't see any movement, right? The deer was just laying no. there like nothing happened.
1: No, but, you know, he may have been
0: moving his head or something.
1: his head a little bit, but at 260 yards at 20 yeah. power looking through my scope, I'm just staring at this buck's body.
0: Right. And his right. body
1: his body isn't moving or, or, or squirming or anything. And so so he may, may have. I think that that bullet just, hit the side of that g2 completely shattered it and and probably turned it into powder whatever broke off of it and it actually fragmented and hit the tip of his g3 and knocked that off also
0: oh my goodness in the pictures i didn't see that 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 is amazing um okay before um, before we get to more of this, I want to take a quick second and thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank Go Hunt Gear Shop. My friend Cody Nelson of over 20 years is the optics manager at Gohunt.com Gear Shop. And being the Optics Manager, he handles everything from binoculars to tripods to spotting scopes to rifle scopes and everything else in the Gear Shop. If you have any optical needs at all, you can call and talk to Cody specifically. I call him the glassing guru. You can reach him at 702-847-8747, extension 2, or you can send him an email directly. He will get the email himself at optics at gohunt.com, and he's promised me that he will take care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners, and I get messages Almost every day or every other day from listeners that Cody has taken care of, and uh, you'll find his service uh, very good. And he's very knowledgeable, and he can walk through all the different products with you. I want to thank Go Gear Shop for their sponsorship. I want to thank Kuu, that's K U I U dot com, Ultralight Hunting for so their sponsorship of this podcast. Canyon Coolers out of Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the J Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount at CanyonCoolers.com, and then PhoneScope.com. Jake was just talking about doing some phone scoping of this buck. If you don't have a phone scope, you've got a smartphone and you'd like to take pictures and video, you can go to PhoneScope.com, use the J. Scott 18 promo code, and get a 10% discount. So, Jake, here you are in his bed. You, you've clipped his G2, clipped his G3, is this like you can find the points, like you look for them, or like they just shattered? Well,
1: well I, I spent, like I said, it took more two hours to get to me, and so I had a lot of time over there by myself with, with the deer to uh, look things over, and, and I did I, on my hands and knees for probably at least 20 to 30 minutes just scouring the hillside. Uh, I couldn't find anything remotely close to an antler, so if it was still partially intact... Uh, then I never found it. I would be shocked if it was. I just imagine it completely splintered and shattered, that side of his G2.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, at that distance, um, you know, for sure. Okay, so Mark... But I will tell you,
1: you mentioned something, something, Jay, about phone scope. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: When I was looking at the deer through the 15s at 265 yards before I was about to shoot... The most amazing thing about that phone scope is you know it works as a phone case basically as well and so um, I already had the, the case on my phone and just like that I was able to slip that, that phone scope onto my 15s and hop and, 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 and try to, and hit record to where I thought this is going to be really cool. I'm gonna get uh, what, one of the biggest bucks that I've killed on video. 260 yards, laying in his bed. I'm going to get the shot. It's going to be awesome. Um, until I was getting out of my tripod and I kicked my tripod over, my phone scope fell off the binoculars and all hell kind of broke loose at that point. <laughs> so so uh, I was so concerned, so overly concerned about making too much noise that I ended up Making way more noise than I ever wanted to, and so at that point, I, I I couldn't I couldn't risk trying to get it all back together and get get the binoculars and phone scope on the deer so I could record the shot. So I, I do have a, a short segment about twenty seconds, and every time I watch it or I, I let anybody else watch it, we we just we almost laugh it laugh <laughs> out loud. It's just so funny to. <laughs> to To see how it was working the out, chaos. and
0: all of a sudden, oh, the chaos or whatever. So everything looks perfect till you kick the tripod.
1: Until <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I looked for the antler. I, I could not find the antler, so I just assumed it was completely, completely gone. And and just hoping, uh, or just grateful for good taxidermist, I guess.
0: I'm looking at your Instagram account right now. For those listeners I'll link it up in the show notes but it's coos OCD and this is a big frame deer um, just just overall just a lot of mass throughout the horn and just a big frame um, big beans you know like heavy bean type buck really cool uh, phone scope video here um, is this is this the biggest buck you've killed you've You've killed a bunch of big bucks. Is this the biggest buck you've killed as far as score-wise, or is it the biggest buck mass-wise? How do they rank? Um, well, he,
1: they're all super special to me in their own in their own way. Um, he is the heaviest buck that I've ever killed, uh, so he's, he does carry more mass than any other buck that I've I've shot. Uh, he is my second biggest buck. Um, I killed uh my biggest buck was went 127. Um so this one's my second biggest buck and and uh but he's he's so different, right? Than yeah. than anybody. I was really excited. I was able to finally get over to my buddy Andy and show him my buck uh yesterday and uh uh he's just I don't have anything like him. You know, I, yeah. I either have something that scores well because they got long points or, or something but this buck uh it's interesting um last year and the year well, i'm sorry this year and, and even last year there there's a couple people i i shared the pictures with uh that thought he was a 105 to 108 type deer and um i never took any offense to it uh because i had i i, I knew this deer a lot better than uh, anybody else that i knew anyway and right. and so uh, I knew they were kind of basing it off of, well, the average deer has this measurement, and and in reference to their face and di- different things like that. Um, I knew that his mass was going to hide his length. Yeah, uh, I mass knew that he length. was going to. It always does. It it does, and
0: yeah.
1: I knew, you know, Andy. One of the first things Andy said when he looked at him is, he said, "I didn't, I did not realize his points were going to be this long." Um. So so with that uh, I knew that everything was just going to kind of add up at the end and and he was going to be a little bit uh better than what what most people maybe saw in the trail camera pictures and stuff like that. So uh I was pleasantly surprised when I when I put a a a, a green a rough tape on him anyway. Yeah. What what was that if you don't mind? So uh I, I, I measured him pretty. You know, I feel pretty comfortable with it. and Everything I measured him. That's even with the tips of his antlers broken off. He's one twenty one and three
0: eighths. That's awesome, man. That is, yeah, and character galore. Just an awesome buck. Um, yeah, incredible. Yeah. You, you and Mark. You and Mark have just shot some incredible bucks. I know it's great. You know, I've shared a lot of great trophies with Dar as well. I know it's awesome to have a hunting partner that you know is is as vested as you are in your success and um you guys work out good as a good team that's awesome um the buck's awesome the video on instagram is really cool and the story the story is even better but isn't it interesting how each one of these bucks you know they all have their own story and and that's what creates the connection um you know koo's ocd i mean that's what creates that um you know they're just such unique here um Jake we've got well, i i'll tell you
1: i'll tell you jake right. let me let me let me throw this in there and i, I don't know if many of your listen i don't know if most of your listeners will actually be able to appreciate this I hope someday that they can because uh it would it's just really neat it's always bittersweet when you take an animal that you've been watching for so long um you know uh you get into this routine of there he is. Uh, got him on camera. You break him apart, you know, on camera, and and you, and you start scoring him. It's always fun to go back in there and check your camera again, and he's always on there again. Um, yeah, that you know, a couple days ago, I was going through some trail camera pictures, and there he was, and it was it was more bitter than it was yeah. sweet, knowing that yeah. I'm not going to get this deer on camera anymore, so. Um, I hope that some of you, I hope your listeners can, can experience that someday. And, you know, that passion can grow a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's also, like I said, very sweet that I was able to take a buck of this age class and uh, that I had such a history with and that it all worked out the way that it, it did. So I'm um, super happy with it. I don't get me wrong with that part.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's almost like a part of you is gone, but that there is a part of you that's added. And and I know, you know, uh, I hope that the listeners can relate, and if they can, I hope they can someday, like you said, but it's literally, you think back, uh, you know, a lot of these trophies, you know, whatever animal, maybe an elk that you've spent years with or a mule deer or whatever, but coups specifically, since they're such, you know, habitual home-bodied type animals and those of us that really love coos dear, you know, when you spend time and then you finally harvest, you're like, man, a part of me is almost feel like it's gone. But then it's almost like I've added all of that in my memory bank and in my heart that, you know, you'll never forget it. So it's awesome. And I think that's why there's so many coos fanatics out there. Um, Got a few questions in just to it's kind of a rough segue here, but got a few questions in from Instagram followers, and um, I know I've taken up a bunch of your time here, but let's hit a couple of these questions, and then we'll uh, conclude. I've got a question from uh, iHunt, uh, let's see, AZ. It says, say I have a specific canyon, hillside, or set of fingers I want to grasp how far away should I be glassing from? Does this change once they are bedded down? Uh, well, I guess I guess number one, it
1: depends on what kind of glass you have. Uh, if if you've got big enough glass in the
0: at least
1: 12 power range or, or you know, but most likely the 15s, um, and then do you have a spotter to go along with it? So it kind of depends on your equipment. Uh, I personally don't like to to, to be within, um, if I'm essentially scouting for deer, uh, I don't think I really like to be within a 1,000 yards of that hillside. I feel like yeah. my field of view is just too small and, and whatever. If I uh, am trying to get in close to a deer and, and trying to find him, uh, maybe in some thick trees and stuff like that, um, Boy, six hundred yards is is even is even about as close as I want to get because I got to spend a lot of time. And if if you got to spend two, three, four hours, or the the rest of the day, trying to relocate a buck, and then as soon as you relocate them, then you can make a move to get to your shooting position. Uh, I I would say that's probably a, a good a good gauge anyway. That that seven um 100 yard range maybe you know to 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 try to locate them anyway and then move in a little bit closer for the shot I know guys are out there taking these really long shots good good for them I, I guess I hope that they're being honest with themselves so uh it depends on your equipment I guess depends on other situations but that's basically what I do anyway
0: yeah, and I would take it a step further to say that, um, and I don't, I don't know exactly what your window is, but darn, I always say, if you find a deer you want to kill, you, sh- you should never, as a rifle hunter, in our opinion, get closer than 300 yards. There, and obviously you just got 265 yards, but if you had to choose and had the same vantage at 350 yards, you would have stayed right at 350 and shot him from there. So oh, I would urge Jay. So we always say don't get closer than 300 yards. Once you get inside that 300-yard barrier with coos deer, all sorts of problems happen, and they usually mm-hmm. can hear you, smell you, see you, pick you up. So mm-hmm. stay outside of that 300 yards. And just like Jake said, I would agree, like, there's no reason to get close to a deer. There's, you know, I like glassing from, you know, 8, 900, a 1000, 1,500, you know, a mile away. And then, it, you know, if you feel like you need to get in and look into a pitch hillside or, or slope, you know, I rarely am trying to get much closer than, you know, seven or 800 yards from a hill. Yeah. And like, like Jake says, you know, if you've got 15, 800 yards glassing into anywhere, you can pick it apart. You get too tight, not only are they going to pick you out, but your field of view shrinks up, and I just think you have a better perspective if you stay Uh, further away and then you know to reiterate like there's no reason to get tight to a deer if you can shoot proficiently between you know 300 and say 450 yards um, there's no reason to get closer so get a good vantage you know at at 350, 375, 400 yards where you've got a good field of view Um, one thing I'll go back to when Jake was sneaking in, and he got to the rock pile, and I believe he was 265 yards, and he said, okay, I can see everything. One thing that that I'm sure Jake does routinely, he might not have done it in this certain circumstance, but one thing that I will do is if, I, okay, I know the boulder, I know the buck is in my field of view, I'm 265 yards, or say I'm 365 yards, but in essence, He's in my zone. I know that if the deer got up and started feeding in the wide open, I could lay down and shoot them. So what I would do, kind of even before, and I'm sure you probably glassed first because you wanted to make sure you had the angle, but if you already have the angle, set your pack down, get your coat out or whatever, get your you know bag of food or your water so that if you have to sit there all day, get your rifle and get it set on the pack maybe even load one in, maybe not, put the safety on. But in essence, have the gun set up on the pack and ready so that if all of a sudden your buddy comes on the radio and says the buck's up and he's feeding in the wide open, you're already set up, your gun is already there, and all you have to do is drop in, click the safety off, and shoot the deer. So that's... That's that's exactly right. Hopefully those tips will help on that question. Uh, next question is from Jesse underscore Park. Uh, Jake, how far do you typically hike in for a specific glassing spot? And I would take that a step further and just say I think what he's asking is, like, for hunting coos deer, like, how far do you hike before you start glassing? I think is what he's asking.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it probably it varies, Jay. Uh it varies on um if I'm hunting for myself, if I'm hunting for my 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 son, uh um if I'm guiding um a specific hunter or what kind of animals, you know, um if if I'm if I'm hunting for myself, I'm generally hunting for a specific deer and I go as far as I need to uh, in order to get the best vantage point, um, and and I I can just tell you in my experience, I I can't seem to find these giant bucks close to a road, and so I don't know how these guys are doing it when they're <laughs> blasting from the pavement, but uh, that's just the the country that I hunt in, um, or or the unit or whatever accessibility that that I hunt in. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I had mentioned earlier. Uh, it, the closest spot to really get a, a decent look into this, which isn't even the best look into this country where this buck was living, it would take me almost two hours to get there and so uh I wouldn't say that that's that's average but um, you know if if you're hiking uh, consistently uh, or or if you're if you're steadily hiking for thirty plus minutes then you know you're at least getting. Uh, away from these roads that, that that quads and side-by-sides and trucks and everybody else is going to be driving on so yeah. uh, if you want to get back into some country then you're going to you're going to be hiking you're going to be walking for at least you know 30 minutes to 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 an hour I guess yeah. I don't know if that, if that I think that's a great question
0: yeah I mean I think it, it's in every circumstance it's different so to say oh you got to walk a mile from the road well you know, it might be flat and you walk out in 15 minutes, or it might be straight up and down and walking a mile, it could take you three hours. So, I mean, I think it's very yeah. relative to the country you're in, but I think the gist of what you're saying, Jake, is get away from the roads a little bit, whether that be cross one canyon and get up on the next ridge or, you know, you know, bounce from point to point or what have you. But, you know, the closer, the closer you are to a road is, likelihood that those bucks have been shot at and those older bucks tend to learn and they tend to get shot if they stay by the road so the you know the further you get from the road typically you'll find some better bucks yeah Um, we'll we'll finish up with with one more question here and that is i missed a let's see this is from ecker 307 he says I missed a great buck last year. What's the chances, if still alive, will that buck be in the same area on this hunt? So what I'm I'm reading between the lines is if he shot a buck on a particular hunt, he's got the same tag, and obviously he's speculating that if the buck is alive, um, what are the chances of that buck being in the same spot, in your opinion? Well, uh, so
1: his name's Ecker three hundred seven. Isn't that like Wyoming area code or something? Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I that guess. if that's what it indicates.
0: Well, he right now he's he's, he's asking the question because I ask uh, questions for Jake Lindsay, so I'm assuming it's Coos. So let's just assume. It's okay, coos. so let's just assume
1: it's Coos deer.
0: Um, uh,
1: but how blessed would Wyoming be if they had Coos deer? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> uh, so. So uh, I, I think, n- number one, I, I guess my first question would ask what time of year was the tag that you had last year, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it was it in October or November hunt? And even and even the first part of December, you know, these, these bucks can, can still hang around their home range. Uh, if it was towards the end of December, uh, I, I would be less comfortable in saying the buck is still right there. But... Um, I, I would say, just in general, uh, you would be crazy uh, to not go back right there where you saw that deer. And uh, uh, and when, when I say right there, if you took that shot, if you if you found him because you jumped him up at 200 yards and you shot at him, don't go right there. Get back six, seven hundred yards and start looking in the same general area where he's yep. where, where where you found him. Um, yep. if there's any water close by you know maybe you can use that to your advantage as far as uh, um, I personally don't put trail cameras on on, on water I, I think it's um, you're, you're asking for somebody to steal your camera but uh, uh, you know that that's what I would do uh, you know I'd look at travel routes and different things like that and, and you could put some cameras
0: up and who knows, you might catch them yeah and I think um, taking that a little bit further or clarifying what you're saying, you're saying that if it was, you know, late December where they were potentially rutting, uh, you know, normally about the uh, first week of December or so, maybe mid-December, uh, those deer have a tendency to go start traveling and looking for does and they leave what you're calling their core or home area. Um, and so if, if it was a late December hunt, you know, after, after Christmas, you know, dang sure go back there and, and try and pick it apart and try and find him the likelihood is more likely if it's an october november or even a t- early december hunt that if you found that buck and you shot at him and you missed him that's probably his home and core range is what i'm hearing you say and i totally agree with you jake and yeah, people absolutely. need to understand like if you're new to 2 hunting if you're hunting in October and you see bucks, more than likely, bucks that are that are you know not running, that are not spooked, that are you know feeding and just being deer, more than likely you're glassing that deer in its home range. Now, yeah, you know you could you could have you could have spotted a buck that just got spooked by a hunter four ridges over, and all of a sudden he's running, and they finally stopped and you just happen to glass him up. But more than likely, in those October and November hunts. Uh, you are seeing deer that that is where they live. So if you find a big buck, um, we always say if you find a big buck in the early season, if you have enough time, more than likely you can get that deer killed. But it takes a lot of persistence and patience because a lot of times, like Jake was saying, that deer, he watched them move the day before the season. He didn't move more than 150 yards all day well yeah. you got to you got to remember too that that 150 yards was a couple hours in the morning and it was, you know, say an hour in the evening and that's not a very big, you know, span of distance so they're not moving a ton but the good news is if you find a deer and especially a big deer they're probably not going to move more than a couple hundred yards circle of where you saw them so I would always say go back to ground zero, just like Jake said, get, you know, six, seven, 800 yards away, start looking into the country from a distance and try and cover every angle and hopefully you turn up that buck. Yeah, you know, I think people
1: uh, are stuck. You know, something that has always helped me out um, is, you know, I don't think Google Earth Google Earth didn't exist when when I started hunting and and I really did enjoy uh, looking at topo maps and and looking at the terrain and different things like that. I always thought it was fascinating little tiny nooks and crannies that that uh you you couldn't really see when you were looking up at the mountain, but the topo map showed you something a little bit different and so I always thought it was kind of cool as you know when I first started hunting guessing games on. Wow! I saw a buck run around this mountain. Look, there's a tiny little crevice over there. That's where I would hide if I was a buck, right? And right. so um, I, I still to this day, I love my topo maps. I can look at apps on my phone and stuff like that. I use those a lot. So yeah, uh, don't don't uh, underestimate the value of of what those topo maps and looking at maps that can provide because they might they might give you a little bit, you can see a little bit of an, a, you know, of elevation to where you can see into that canyon where you thought maybe you weren't going to have a look. So, uh, I, I, I would definitely consider that.
0: Absolutely, that's a great tip. Um, moving forward, uh, what else do you have uh, this season, and um, what's your outlook for the rest of the rest of your season here? Uh, so.
1: Um, my dad's got a deer tag that I get to go out with him
0: uh, here in a couple of weeks.
1: So that actually next weekend. So that should be kind of fun. Um, I, I don't get to hunt with my dad as often, so uh, I always I always enjoy that. Uh, Good. And and then I am going to uh, uh, guide a couple of hunters uh, for Pat Felt, Arizona Guided Hunts, who who I, I do a couple hunts for every year, a couple of whitetail hunters, uh, cruise deer hunters down in southern Arizona. And uh, beyond that, um, I don't I don't have anything else planned. We'll see we'll see what happens. Talking to a couple of people about their December tags. Uh, um, one that, that you were kind enough to send my direction. So we'll see if we can work something out. Maybe I get to go hunting in December.
0: Awesome, man. Well, congrats on the buck and um, congrats on your success. It was a great story. I appreciate you spending time on the podcast here, sharing your knowledge. It's always great to talk to someone as passionate as yourself and uh, wish you and Mark the best of success uh, moving forward uh, and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys knock down next year as well. Um, but yeah, just thanks for sharing with us and um I guess the only thing I gotta end with is um how bad are my sun devils gonna beat up on those wildcats here in a couple weeks.
1: Oh man, it might be pretty ugly.
0: <laughs> I, I
1: uh <laughs> No, it might be pretty bad. It's a it's a it's a, a what do they call it, a transition year or, or a growing <laughs> year or a growing decade. I think we're in a decade right now. <laughs> growing decade. Arizona. <laughs>
0: here's the deal though it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i mean you can throw their records out the window that rivalry games crazy stuff happens and it's something i look forward to every year just because it's such a crazy game it doesn't matter if one team's way better than the other it seems like you know you have like three block punts block field goals you know yeah. a, a kickoff return for a touchdown i mean it's just a crazy game i'm looking forward to it i love I actually love the banner but with U of A fans back and forth. And a, lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the Instagram followers, I love getting messages, and um, it's heating up, and uh, it's going to be fun. So, uh, But yeah, that will be interesting. You. Thanks for your time.
1: God bless you, Jay. Thank you. Take care.
0: All right. All right, buddy.
1: Take care. All right. All right. Bye.